0: Have you ever set out to do something that you saw someone else do, but you found that yours just didn't add up? You know, maybe maybe it was a recipe, you know? You tried you tried grandma's recipe, but you didn't know what a tad was, and you didn't know what a dash was, and you didn't know what a little bit meant, you know? You just took the recipe and tried, and it came out bad, or <coughs> maybe you're working on a car, you know, and... You didn't get it done quite right, and so you didn't get the thing fixed. Or maybe it's a craft project that you think you found and you just wanted to do, but yours just didn't come out looking like it was supposed to. There are whole groups out there devoted to Pinterest fails. You ever look at those? People who have found a craft on Pinterest and it just looks amazing. They do theirs. You know, they, make, they go to look, they make a minion off of Despicable Me, and their minion doesn't look like a minion. It looks like a deformed Twinkie. But, you know, that's how it works. Sometimes I feel that way about the church that I read in the New Testament. Uh, I see the church and I, I read what they're doing there and I go, wow. So this week we move into a new series that at times may seem very familiar because it'll repeat some things probably that we've said. But we're going to examine the characteristics of a healthy church in the New Testament. What a New Testament church is supposed to look like. What did the church look like? What did the church look like originally? Um, is there a one-to-one correlation there between what the New Testament church looked like and what it should look like today? Or, or how much does culture affect that? Their culture versus our culture. So this week, we begin our study called The Church. And this morning, we pick it up in, in a very probably familiar text there in the book of Acts. Um, you know, Pentecost has happened, uh, things that are, that are going on. <clears throat> and we find there... Uh, the first growings of the church, the first beginnings there of the church. So there in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 41, it says, So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would Take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel. And the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for his sake. And all God's people said. <laughs> what is it about these group of, this group of believers um, that we can apply today? Because, you know, we look at this and we kind of go, that's kind of a rabbit. Obviously, I don't expect us to build a compound and all live together. That's not what I think should happen here. So what can this church teach us about our church and how we're supposed to be? Well, I think the first thing we have to see here is one of the first things they say is that God's word was at the center of their lives. At the very center of their lives. The very first thing it says is that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The word for devoted here literally means to give oneself over completely. It wasn't that they just listened to what the apostles said. It was about living out the teaching that they received. This was about understanding and taking what was being told to them and putting it to work within their lives. It was about being what the Scripture called them to be. This isn't about devotion to a group of people or a person. It's about devotion to the Word of God. Quite frankly, they allowed the teachings of the Word of God to penetrate their lives in such a way they were changed on a deep level. Whatever the apostles taught or read from the word, they didn't just listen. They became, as James would say, doers of the word. They took what the apostles said and they made it their own. They were devoted to that teaching. And that also meant that they were devoted to the word of God as opposed to other philosophies of the day. Imagine the world that these people were in. They're in the Roman Empire, so you have the Roman thought. You have the Greek philosophers. You have the Persian influences all in the midst of what's going on here. And this first church looked past all that and devoted themselves to God's work. And I think now we are closer to what the first century church was like than ever before. We had this level of what, what theologians would call syncretism. We have a blended world. A world that that takes from everything and puts it together and throws it into a blender and calls it good. You know, it's... And sometimes that can be a good thing. Call America a melting pot. We want us all to be equal and be American. But at the same time, if you're throwing bad things in with good, where does it get you? Today we have people who add or, or take away from God's Word. It's very easy to follow a charismatic leader. It's very easy to have someone who comes in with all of these degrees and all of these titles and all this experience who tells you, well, I know you've always heard that the Bible says this, but I, I think we're missing something. <laughs> You know, there are people out there who want to say that that hell isn't real. Because a loving God wouldn't send people to hell. And there's, there's, there's logic in that for some right? If, if you know you were dealing with a family who none of them believe in Jesus, it brings great comfort to you to think that they just won't exist anymore. And then there's punishment that goes along with. For me... I'm almost more terrified of not existing anymore. I don't know. Yeah. But it's easy to, to fall away. It's easy to, to have someone twist it just a little bit. That's twisted a lot. Just a little. There's another big world religion out there who... Baptists talk about the priesthood of the believer. They talk about the priesthood of believers not a big change, but it's big enough to change everything. That's like, if I'm making a cake, and it calls for a cup and a half of sugar, and I put a cup and a half of salt, it's not a big change, but it changes everything. And so, when we see this, we see that they were devoted to God's Word. They were devoted to doing only what God's Word told them to do. And they weren't going to listen to what the world was telling them. They were going to listen to only what God's Word was telling them. And so it's very easy for us today when we have everything around us screaming at us to hear the world because the world is always talking to us. The world is always sharing ideas. The world is always telling us what they think is right and what they think is wrong. And they've always taught us how what we believe is wrong. It happens all the time. But the apostles were teaching the Word of God. And if we can learn to devote ourselves to the Word of God and not be let us do other things in the world, we've taken our first step in being the church. Because the problem is, when we don't take the Word of God for being the Word of God, we find ourselves in trouble. You know, we parents have always... We always say when we're growing up, I'm never going to use this line we all do it. Because I said so. Right? As a child, you all went, well, I'm not going to say that to my kids because I want a reason. But sometimes the reason is, I'm daddy. And it's daddy's rules, and I said so. That's the same thing with the Bible. Sometimes, I don't have to tell you why God does what he does. I just got to tell you that's what God does. I can't tell you why Jesus wants to offer grace to everybody. I just know that he does. I can't tell you why God would say go in and and, and wipe out an entire civilization. I can't tell you why. I have my theories. But I'm not God. But I know that God said to do it. And that's the hard thing. Sometimes we don't understand. We just have to learn to devote ourselves to what the Bible says. So one, they devoted themselves to God's word. But two, they had a worshipful attitude a worshipful attitude. He says, everyone was filled with awe and there were signs and wonders. They didn't get their attitude because of signs and wonders. Signs and wonders came because they had the attitude. So often we get that backwards. Remember Thomas, after Jesus has appeared to the other disciples and he wasn't there. And he says, well, when I get to see and I can put my hand in his side and I can touch the the wounds on his hands, I'll believe. And Jesus says to him when he finally does see, you believe because you've seen, but blessed are those who believe who do not see. The truth is, it's so easy for us to to expect, well, I'll worship when I have a reason to worship. That's about When we only worship when we have a reason to worship, we're missing out on what we we need to do. They they did this as an attitude of expectation. They expected God to show up. They expected great things to happen. They were in awe of the mightiness, love, and grace of a God who loved them enough to die for them. They had an attitude of worship. I think that attitude would allow for signs and wonders. That attitude would allow for miracles to happen. I'm not saying that if we come expecting miracles, we'll receive miracles, but I'm not ruling it out either. I'm never going to say that miracles don't occur because miracles still happen today. But the truth is when we come to worship, what we come in expecting to get out of the service is what we're getting out of the service. That makes us uncomfortable. If we come in expecting it to be boring and blah, it's going to be boring and blah. I don't care what we're singing. I don't care what the message is. I don't care if we take an offering or if we take the Lord's Supper or if we pay beach volleyball in the local sanctuary. If we come in expecting it to be boring, it's going to be boring. If we come in expecting God not to move, God's not going to move. Because we we get out of worship what we bring to worship. We get what we what we bring in. If we come in with the wrong attitude, we're going to come out with the wrong attitude. If we walk in expecting nothing to happen, most of the time nothing is going to happen. But if we walk in expecting a mighty move from God, God will show up. Because we serve a guy actually who likes to show off. God likes to show off. He likes to do things. God, that's why to me, I don't care what the world says to God is a daddy. Because daddies like to show off, right? Don't we? I mean, let's be honest. Daddy show off with their kids. And it gets worse when you become a granddad. It just does. I mean, you know, we like to show off, right? We we like to show we can do this. And we love for our kids to just be in awe of the things that we can do. You know? And it kind of gets disappointing whenever our kids get to that age and they realize maybe we're not (laughs) superman. Maybe anybody can do that. But we'll never be there with God. God still likes to show off for His children. He still likes to bless them in unimaginable ways. He still likes to give them things they can never expect. If we live our lives that way, expecting great things from God, our life is changed. You ever watch the movie Face of the Giants? I know it's a football movie. It's not basketball. But Face of the Giants is a good movie. And there's that one point where the coach is sitting there in his office, and he is just so stressed out. And the man's walking through the building praying over every locker of every child that's in that school. And he stops in, and he's talking to the coach, and the coach to know He's just confused. And the man says to him, there are two farmers who, who have fields, and there's a drought. And one goes out and plows his field, and the other doesn't. Which one is expecting rain? Man. How we live and what we expect from God changes how we see the world and how our life looks. If we're always thinking that God's going to disappoint us, then nothing's probably going to happen because we're not going to see God working. We're not going to see when God does things. We're not going to see when God provides something that we never thought He would provide. I had an amazing experience this week. If you follow me on Facebook, you already read about it, but you're going to hear about it again. Uh, I spent twenty-five hundred dollars. That's not the amazing part transmission in the van, we went and we got it replaced. And I'd asked the guy before he did it, I was like, I need to know the final price. I need to know exactly how much it's going to be. Because, you know, I've got to get this together, see if I can afford it. And he said, $2,500 is the top dollar. He said, that's taxes, labor, out the door. He said, I'm telling you, probably less than that. Okay. <laughs> then do it. And he had it over the weekend. and He called me on Monday and he said, here, it's done. The total is 2787. twenty-seven eighty-seven. dollars Carrie wouldn't happen at all. Um, and I went home, and she was bad, and she was stomping around, and i was like, it'll be okay, we'll figure it out. And I went up there, and I told the guy, I said, you know what? Here's $2,500 in cash. And he counted it out. And I went to give him my credit card. He went to take it, and he stopped it, and he said, what do you do? So I'm the pastor of the Baptist Church in Lafayette. And he said... You bet your quote. Go 276 dollars. You just wrote off. That's a blessing from God. Something that God did. And I walked in there expecting something to happen. I was, I took care. I said, I'm going to go in there and I'm just going to ask. I'm just going to explain to him what's going on and see what's going to happen. And that's what I did. And he went, You know what? We've got to live in a way that we expect God to do great things. They were there in the book of Acts expecting God to do great things. They're meant to do mighty and wonderful things. We've got to learn to live in awe of an all-powerful, all-loving God. But they also live life together. They lived life together. You know, <laughs> they knew what community was. They had everything in common. They didn't hide anything. Had this conversation this week with somebody that (laughs) the parsonage being outside of town is a blessing and a curse. Mm -hmm. The privacy is nice, but sometimes you feel disconnected. Sometimes you don't feel like you're apart. And so I'd like if Carrie is sick or one of the kids is sick and she doesn't come to church for a couple of weeks, she feels like she's not seen anybody in two or three weeks because she's been by herself in this spot. These people lived life together. They did everything together. It wasn't just, oh, I'm going to go to church on Wednesday and I'm going to go to church on Sunday. It was, they lived together. They weren't afraid to fail in front of each other every need that they had was a need for everybody. If somebody needed to go to college, it was a need for everybody. If somebody was sick, it was a need for everybody. If there was a death, it was a need for everybody. They were one big family. It wasn't just needs. It was their life. They were committed to each other. It said every day, day by day, day by day they met. You know what? We only meet twice a week. They met every day. Every day, they were up. They met together in the temple. They met together in their homes. There was a whole lot of feeding going on in the New Testament church. Because church wasn't about Wednesday and Sunday. It was about living together every day. You know, we, we complain sometimes about church twice a week. Oh my gosh, i got to get up and go again. We've all been guilty of it, right? Oh, I don't feel like getting up this morning. I think that was said in my house this morning. I will not want to say by who. But, uh, you know, that was sad. Because sometimes it's just, uh, the week's been long. Things have been overwhelming. That's one more thing sometimes I feel like I have to do, right? But they got up every day. and met every day. And worshiped together every day. Because church wasn't just about Wednesday and Sunday. It was about living together every day. They met every day. They would start their day and end their day together. Imagine. I mean, it'd be hard, right? For us to get up every morning and meet here. And end every day here. It'd be hard, but they did it. They met every day together. They couldn't imagine going a day without seeing some part of the church. One of the ways most churches fail. Um, is focusing too much on young people. We need to focus on young people. And we need to make them a part of the church. And we need to make the worship service part of theirs. And everything needs to be together. But sometimes we focus on the young people to the neglect of the older people. Sometimes our senior citizens, and I'm not saying this church does that, but lots of churches, sometimes our senior citizens don't see anybody do. And they need somebody to pick up the phone and call so they haven't thinking about you. They need somebody to love all. Of them. They need somebody to be in their lives. Because it needs to be a both thing They were a family. They cared about the young people and the older people. There was, there was not anything that went by that didn't happen. Paul, when you read his letters, he took care of the widows and he took care of the orphans. He made sure everyone was taken care of. To be a healthy church, you have to be committed to God and to each other, and that's all of each other. Not just, not just one group here or there, but all of the groups need to be taken care of. They couldn't imagine going to see in some part of the church. They would all get the idea of only seeing each other once or twice a week. There was no qualm about calling anybody for help. They, didn't, they, didn't, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't have a problem going inside and saying, you know, I'm struggling with this, would you help me? Sometimes we have a hard time with that. We don't want to do those things. We don't want to ask those things. They were committed to God and committed to each other, and it showed in how often they were together. They were also continually praising God. Hmm. Continually praising God. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. Hmm. Was everything always okay? No. Pretty soon a man named Saul's gonna show up and gonna try to try to get a few of them. The Roman Empire was against them. The apostles all go off and they're martyred one by one. It was not always okay, but they praised God anyway. They praised God in the good. They praised God in the bad. They praised God in the everyday ordinary. They praised God. <laughs> Sometimes I think we've lost the art of praising. Things are going good, praise God. Things are going bad, God, why did you do this to me? <clears throat> what if instead we said, God, I know that this situation, I don't know what you're doing with it. But I'm going to praise you in it. I'm going to praise you anyway. I'm going anyway. to praise you because you're God. I know I told some of you about this, but one of my professors had some friends and he wouldn't tell us which church because we would all go find them and talk to them. But he had some friends in the church that they believed they were not the elect. They believed that their lot in life was to go to hell. But, they came to church every Sunday and praised God because God was God and deserved to be praised. What? That's praising God in the bad right there, let me tell you. Now, I have a feeling one of these days they're going to get there and be awful surprised if they made it somewhere they didn't think they were going. Because their faith is obvious. They, they really believe. But they believe that they're not going to get there. And so they said, you know what? We're going to praise God anyway because God is God. That is something to me that spoke to me from the minute I heard it. I went, wow. Wow. I can't imagine. And here I am upset over little bitty things. <coughs> My car didn't start. I had a flat tire. I had a sore throat. I had the sniffles back when the sniffles were just sniffles. Uh-oh. I had all these things. And I was so upset and I was so mad. And here these people literally thought, you know what? This is all there is for me. And then I'm going to be tortured for eternity. But I'm going to go to church and I'm going to praise God because he's God. That's how you praise God. You praise God in everything. You praise God in the good. You praise God in the bad. You praise God in the everyday ordinary. <laughs> Do you praise God for the ordinary stuff of life? I mean, just the ordinary stuff. I opened up the refrigerator and the milk didn't have a bad expiration date on it. Praise Jesus. I mean, I might be in emergency sometimes because sometimes the dollar general has none. So... But still, I praise God. You praise God in the little things, in the everyday ordinary, in the things that, that sometimes we think don't matter. Because in the end, every little thing matters to God. Something we seem to forget is that every little small part of our life matters to God. We may think it's insignificant. It's just nothing. It's just insignificant. But it matters to God. Because it affects us. You ever wake up on a day when you were sick on laundry day and you got to get dressed, but there was no laundry day? Next point. You said what? Laundry day's on Friday. (laughs) And I was sick on Friday, but I need clothes for Sunday. I didn't clean clothes on Friday. So how do you praise God on that? I don't know. But you praise God and say, you know what, at least that's what I can Pull out very clothes and wear. Some people don't have any clothes to wear. Some people don't have shoes to wear. How many pairs of shoes you've got in your closet? Some people don't have any. Have a roof over our head. Food in our bellies. Clothes to wear. What about you this morning? Are you continually praising God in everything? Because man, league is hard. Sometimes life is tough, and sometimes things happen to us that there is no explanation. we praise God anyway. I read a story about a pastor one time before I was a pastor who had two children and uh, his son and daughter went out on a double date one time. and it got icy or stormy or something and the car went off the bridge into the lake. And the uh, son got out. His sister didn't make it out. So his son went back down to get his sister out. He got two, to him, both of his kids out there. And he walked into the funeral home. Everybody got quiet, wondering what this man was going to say. And he said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. There's a main point, if you want to write it down, I don't have a slide for it, is that the church is supposed to be a biblically centered, worshipful community who lives together, praising God and everything. We're supposed to be a family. That's who we're supposed to be. In families, we don't have things. I mean, you know, y'all heard about my family. We can try to sweep them under the rug, but it don't work very well. Families love each other warts and all, right? We might not like each other sometimes, but we love each other. And we're there for each other. One thing my my, my sister would tell you and she's posted it on Facebook before so I know it's true is that we can fight like cats and dogs and there will be times when she thinks I'm never going to speak to her again but she knows if she calls me on the phone and says I need you Bob, I'm there that's what family means to be the church that's who we have to be to each other We shouldn't have to filter through, well, do I really want to do this? It should just be down there for you, because I love you, and you're part of my path. Maybe this morning, you're thinking, Troy, I think you went off the deep end. I may have. That's okay, I've been accused of worse, so... (laughs) And I would encourage you to pray about it and ask where God would lead you on there. Maybe this morning you've you've been struggling with something. Maybe you've been struggling with bringing the right attitude to God every week. Maybe you've been one of those who you've gotten to the point where you're just, just struggling to get out of bed and you're just like, I don't even want to go. And so you walk in here grumbling and complaining and you walk out grumbling and complaining. Maybe that's the time to say, okay, God, I'm going to come in here with the right attitude knowing that you were going to give me what I need to do. Maybe this morning you've been going through hard times and you've been wondering why you're not hearing from God and now you know that you just need to start praising God. Praising Him no matter what's going on. Praising Him and giving Him glory because then we know that He has already heard our prayers. So He promises in the Scripture, right, that if we pray anything in His name, that He hears us. God hears us. That's amazing to me. Maybe this morning you want to pray and The the is open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to start a missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Oh, maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never that step to say I want to know Jesus. If you haven't, now's the time. Just walk down to Detroit. I want to know Jesus and we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to Him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings.